Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Mel Caspin Bloom. Mel's Once Upon a Bloom is a one-person branding and copywriting agency specializing in the art of storytelling. Before starting her own company, Mel was the former head of copy at Disney Consumer Products, She created an in-depth storytelling copy for products from Disney, Pixar, Lucasfilm, and Marvel. She has also written for a range of companies, including Forbes and Codiness. Mel and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest children's book title, Screen, Beans, and Quarantines. Good morning, Mel. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I'm excited to hear about your life story as well as Screen Beans and Quarantine. It's a pleasure to have you on the air with me. And I have to tell you, Screen Beans and Quarantine is a beautifully illustrated and engaging book. Congratulations on this release and a ton of gratitude for your generosity in offering this book as a free download. Of course. Thank you. Let us start by getting to know you a little better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your life from childhood to the present moment. Yeah, um, I was born in East Brunswick, New Jersey. I'm the youngest of three girls. I went to Rutgers University for college, and I moved to Manhattan right after that. And in Manhattan, I was in the fashion industry, um, working in corporate fashion on the analytical side. And I realized that I wanted to move towards the creative world. Um, And I, on a whim, kind of moved out to Los Angeles. And I had a million jobs. And I used (laughs) all my jobs as, like, stories. And I created a blog from those stories. And I used my blog as my portfolio. And that got me um, into Yahoo. I started writing for Mm -hmm. Yahoo Shine and then The Examiner. And then somebody started reading my work who was a recruiter at Guess, and they had an opening in their copywriting department, Mm -hmm. so they called me in, and that started my career. And at Guess, I developed the voices for G by Guess and Guess Kids and worked Mm -hmm. on the other brands. And then there was an opening at Disney, so I moved over there and ended up staying for five and a half years and became the head of copy where I worked with um, about five writers who were amazing. And then when I had my second child, I decided to lose the commute and work from home. So I started my own business, Once Upon a Bloom. Fantastic. That sounds wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) That was quick. See, I was trying to stretch this whole thing for the old hour. (laughs) But I guess you're not that old. So, you know, like, okay, guys, we have a whole hour. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I can go back if you want. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) When did you discover you like to write? Um, That actually happened really young. Um, My Mm -hmm. second grade teacher actually wrote on one of my stories, which my mom found just a few years ago. She wrote, I think you're going to be a writer. 
Yeah. So it's kind of always been in my blood. I've been journaling forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I've been mm-hmm. keeping a journal regularly since fourth grade or something. Wow. Um, and just creating stories and plays and all sorts of things since I was a kid. So. Oh, fantastic. Were there some favorite writers that you were following at the time as well? Oh, um, well, when I was a kid, Matilda was my absolute favorite book. I think Mm -hmm. I read that 300 times as a kid. (laughs) Um, Judy Bloom was another huge favorite of mine as a kid. And the fact that I married into this last name, I was very excited about that. Um, Uh. (laughs) My last name, yeah. (laughs) Did you just like Um, post it? If you're not a Bloom, don't call me. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was kind of crazy. I was so unexpected. I'm like, that's a fantastic last name. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so I say, um, yeah, th- those were huge when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'd say all like, and, and Babysitter's Club, those were all like the ones I read as kids, as a kid. Very, very interesting. How is storytelling writing different than writing a composition or a narration? So, it's a great question. I think the way I use it is slightly different. Um, mm-hmm. So I use the storytelling in, um, in more so in like marketing and business and copywriting. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I do this is that everything that I work, every company I work with or every product I go deep into, instead of talking about the product, I'll mm-hmm. like go into the story behind the product or the behind the company and really find out what the core passion or heart, like what is going to really resonate with the audience? What are they going to relate to? What are they going to remember? And I think if you create a story behind any product service company, anything, that's what people really remember. They remember how they felt when they were reading about the story or in it versus facts. So that's kind of how I approach everything that I write for copy. And um, Mm -hmm. anytime I'm branding a company or creating a brand voice for a company, I always have an interview process with the founders or, you know, somebody who's been there for a very long time to really understand, like, why was it created? Why is your company different? Why is your company special? Why are people going to choose your company Mm -hmm. over somebody else? It always comes down to their story. So it's, that's how I always begin with like a company story. And then from there, we create the brand voice and how they're going to speak to the audience and, and everything like that. And then it goes for products as well. So I, everything is the start to the story with me, basically. Wonderful. So in telling the story, how about yours? Do you dream a lot when you were growing up and perhaps even now? Because part of creativity is about that sort of having a quiet moment for yourself and let your mind create. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I am like the biggest daydreamer ever. And <laughs> yes, I've been this way as a kid, a hundred percent. And now to even like give my time, give myself time for that. I, um, I meditate often. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And even if it's just for like five minutes, just to like sit in silence with thoughts Um and just let my mind go to those. Yes, I'm, I'm huge on that. Yes, for sure. And I highly recommend it for everyone. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> very, very interesting. So 
you started out in the East Coast and you ended up on the West Coast. What life's epiphany led you to make that drastic move? Yeah, um, I think because, I mean, I'm sure it was a ton of things, but mm-hmm. um, I went to college like 15 minutes from where I grew up. It's a, it's a mm. great school, and I'm so grateful for it. Um, I, I just think I always was so curious about the outside world. Um, mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Manhattan, I met a ton of people from all over the world, including mm-hmm. California, which I was always so curious about, but I've never been to. And I think because I was in such a, 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 a tight world, I just wanted to like feel free a little bit and like go somewhere with like, sunshine that I like knew was a creative place, although I never experienced it. I had mm-hmm. this like endless curiosity about Los Angeles, uh, basically my entire life. And mm-hmm. then when I came to visit, I was like, why doesn't everyone live here? <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, I started, uh, it took me about 10 months to, mm-hmm. from when the decision was made to do the move. Um, but it was definitely, I was set on it. And um, my, my grandmother had passed away. And I think... Mm-hmm. After that, I was like, okay, like, I feel like I can go now. And I know that it was just like, cause mm-hmm. I, I was staying around, you know, because I wanted to be like close with everyone. And then I was like, okay, maybe this is my time. So, um, and I thought I'd be here for three weeks and it's mm-hmm. been almost 15 years. So mm-hmm. it's pretty crazy how time flies. But What yeah. was the greatest challenge when you got to LA? Oh. <laughs> there were many. Um, I I mean, there were so many. It was like being away from your family and friends mm-hmm. and everything you know it was, is huge. And then financially, I had to figure out ways to support myself. That's why I literally had, I would work seven days a week for years mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to just figure that out. And just um, being okay with being alone a lot, you know, because, like, mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of friends in the beginning. You're still, like, finding your ground. You don't know, you know, who to trust. Where to, it, it's so mm-hmm. overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd say navigating through the first, like, three years here probably was just enormous. Yeah. Did you find that the fact you were in New York for several years helped you to really sort of, integrate yourself into that city life in LA. Like both Philly has that sort of, it is cosmopolitan, right? But the yeah. busyness, the, the population wise, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think New York definitely prepares you for, could prepare you for anything, um, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that the fact that LA is so spread out and you need right. a car and the traffic is horrendous. <laughs> That I think the lifestyle is just so different because you can just walk outside New York and go anywhere and do anything and bump into anyone and, you know, but in L.A. you kind of have to like figure it out. And I remember using MapQuest and printing out maps (laughs) because it was before like navigation systems and ways. Mm -hmm. So I remember like just printing out maps to get places and having to like research and where to go and it was it was definitely just yeah navigating this lifestyle was it was a lot different than New York just because you're in a car and you're not on your feet and there it's is yeah it's so different but mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. ways it can overlap for sure. 
do you consider curiosity as part of the fuel that create the excitement every day for you? Yeah, I think curiosity is so huge. And I think I, I was just, I didn't ever want to feel like settled in a routine. I just mm-hmm. keep wanting, I just wanted to like explore and, you know, try that and try that. And what's that? Like, yeah, for sure. Curiosity was huge. It still is. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Can you tell us what does a copywriter do? Um, so uh, anything you read, basically, that's put out by a company, a person, a brand, any product description, that's pretty much most likely written by a copywriter. And it's someone who is trained in writing in a certain marketing style to sell you the product by pointing out the features in a way that's going to draw you into it. So it's it's like any ad you see, even if it's just like those two words or three words on a billboard that you're like, oh, mm-hmm. that was good. You know, it's like that. That's basically that's like very short form copies if it's on like a billboard or an ad or on a store window or something like that. And then it goes all the way to the emails you get from companies on a weekly or daily basis when you go to their website anything you read um, when you go into a store, if you're getting, if you're handed like some sort of marketing material, it, it's anything like that. It's basically anything that's selling something from a company. That is a very specialized skill though, isn't it? It is. I feel like now because of the digital shift, like mm-hmm. everything is online. I feel like mm-hmm. it's a, it became a very um like saturated market because the need is so great. And I think Mm -hmm. because you can do it from anywhere in the world, I think it's a really enticing career for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are things you can, there are so many resources now that you can go to. Um, You don't have to go to school for it. You know, you can, Mm -hmm. there are some great copywriters that offer classes and all these resources and training. So yeah, I think now it definitely became a very popular career path. Very, very interesting. Why is being a right brain or left brain matter in creative writing? Yeah. Um, so I think um, I think a lot of writers that I know are left brain thinkers, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which when you're tapping into your imagination, endless possibility, it's a it's a magical place. And, um, but the right brain in marketing copy is really important because you have to factor in analytics. So what is, what are the readers looking? Where are they clicking? What are they opening? Um, what's of interest to them? What other things are they studying? Um, what other apps they have? So there's all these like interesting things about the target market that you really need to know and understand when you're creating the copy for it. Mm-hmm. So I think the research aspect is super important. And, and that's why I say like the right brain, because it's like the very like logical <laughs> numbers driven side. Yeah. <laughs> very, very interesting. By the way, you're listening to yeah. From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple's Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hub Hopper. I'm Johnny Tant, your host, and my guest for this morning is Mel Caspian Bloom. Mel's Once Upon a Bloom is a one-person branding and copywriting agency specializing in the art of storytelling. 
Before starting her own company, Mel was the former head of copy at Disney Consumer Products. She created in-depth storytelling copy for products from Disney, Pixar, Lucasfilm, and Marvel. She had also written for a range of companies, including Forbes and Codiness. We're having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest children's book, Screens, Beans, and Quarantines. Mel, one of the things that really fascinates me in reading about you is that you had the opportunity to travel extensively. So as a traveler and explorer, what part of the earth changed you as a person and a writer? Uh, great question. I do love to travel. That's something I definitely miss in this COVID world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd say um, probably um, Istanbul was huge. Um, mm-hmm. That was just a very, um, it was an amazing experience. And even just being in the airport with, I mean, it was it was just scenes you wouldn't see in the United States. So, um, and just experiencing um, the people, the food, of mm-hmm. going into all of these amazing buildings and having these experiences that were from like BC. Um, I'd say that that was huge. Um, and then um, all over Europe, just meeting people. Uh, my husband and I are very into like speaking to locals and learning about mm-hmm. like what it is like to live in certain areas. Mm-hmm. So I just think like those conversations that are so random, whether they're on like the, you know, you're, you're all waiting for, uh, I don't know, a light to change, you know, and then you just randomly <laughs> start talking. Like, it's so funny with the conversations that like stick to your memory. Um, yeah. And then we went to St. Petersburg and that was amazing. That was, that was really just talking to the locals and learning about their lives and, and how they get music and art and, you know, things <laughs> that we don't think about, you know, here right. in the U.S. Right. So, yeah, I think, I think those, um, those places really impacted me a lot. And just the conversations with people that are just so unexpected. I think that's the best part of traveling. Wonderful. Let's talk about a book. Why did you decide to write Screens, Beans, and Quarantines? So, um... When schools were closed on March 13th, um, I was actually volunteering at my daughter's school that day in the library. Mm -hmm. So I was there when her principal came into her kindergarten class and said, you know, kids, we're going on an early spring break and you're going to have to (laughs) film with your parents. And, you know, there were like 25, five-year-olds all just like completely shocked. Oh, my God. Come home. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely, a, a, I'm so glad I was there to, to see that. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that was a huge motivation for me because I was just looking at these confused kids and I yeah. knew we had to like talk about it more because suddenly we're all wearing masks. We can't go outside, we can't see people, right. hug people, you know, it was like this massive overnight change. Um, so I wanted to resort to storytelling to like really mm-hmm talk to them about what's going on and you know we'd have talks every now and then um when they were you know asking questions we'd mm-hmm, sit down mm-hmm. I have a six-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son mm-hmm. and we would talk about it but then my three-year-old one day he was like mommy is it okay if we go outside or are we gonna get the virus <laughs> and I was like oh okay okay we need to talk about this more okay <laughs> 
So I started writing stories and, 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 and I went through probably like four stories until I got to this one. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, a simple rhyming story. And then they were mm-hmm. my, my test, my test market. <laughs> and they both really liked it. And they both wanted mm-hmm. to go back to certain parts and talk about mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. after that, I was like, okay, this could be something. And then, so I started out small. I started just sending it to some of my friends and my family. Mm-hmm. And, and then when people were receptive to it, I, I sent it out to my kids' schools. Mm-hmm. And it starts circulating there. And then it got farther in L.A. And then um, it kind of got sent around in social media. So mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. just so cool how that happened because a lot of parents were in the same boat, obviously, as, as right. I was. And M. <laughs> and just talking about it to little kids is, is just, it's really hard. So, um, so, yeah, that was kind of how that all came about. Very, very interesting. Is your daughter with you? We can say hi on the air. Oh, they they are actually <laughs> watching a movie in my son's room right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to chat with you. So yeah. I see. <laughs> <laughs> Since we're not on Zoom, so they're not back there moving and dancing. Yeah, and stuff. yeah I'm exactly. just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but that's reality for sure. <laughs> Just give us a quick synopsis of the book. I thought it was fascinating when you zeroed in on specific things you talk about, and I wanted it to come from you in terms of what you were trying to get across to the people. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, a lot of it in the beginning where the kids were so confused about what was going on that they were having trouble like articulating their thoughts, questions. They didn't know how to talk about it. So that's why instead of teaching about it, because I am not a scientist or a doctor, I was like, okay, maybe the story could just be to open them up to asking questions and Mm -hmm. then to give them, you know, a lighthearted kind of uplifting perspective. So in the story, it's telling a story about a girl who it's her birthday that day and she's so upset because they don't have a cake or decorations or her friends. And then all of a sudden, um, her friends drive by and it's like a, a, one of the first car parades. And she was just like so excited to see everybody. They all made signs on their cars. Her neighbors came outside. So it was kind of just like, okay, it may not look like one of your birthdays, but there's still a lot of love and friendship and things might look and feel different, but maybe there could be a way to look at it. Like, you're seeing your parents more than you always have. You're playing with your brother more than you have. You're playing walkie-talkies with your neighbor. So it's like all these things that um, weren't part of your everyday life, and now they are. So it's just like pointing out the positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. The response that you've gotten was fascinating. So can you share some of those with us? Um, yes. Like from like parents and teachers and stuff? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of parents were just very grateful to have a resource um, and, you know, shared it with their networks. And then schools um, started taking in the story and uh, teachers started to read it to their kids over Zoom. And actually, um, I'm going to be doing a reading over Zoom for the the kindergarten class of this year um, in LAUSD. So it's it's pretty cool that it was um yeah it was just 
kind of spread around pretty quickly and it was, was a resource, which I'm so happy that it was able to be. Wonderful. I'm really happy for you. How has COVID-19 changed your family dynamics? Um, well, I'm home with the kids every day. <laughs> um, so basically, um, we turned our house into teacher mommy school and it looked like a classroom. Like I turned mm-hmm. like our kitchen area into a classroom with sight words and numbers. And we made an ABC chart together. We did the letter a day. We have number charts. Um, we have artwork everywhere and we have a very set schedule that, um, we've been sticking to so far since March. And, um, and then I work either in between like when they're playing outside or mm-hmm. I just m- mainly work at night just cause it's easier to mm-hmm. do that when my husband gets home. Um, my mm-hmm. husband's at the office every day. He's been actually at the office every day since March cause he is mm-hmm. a certain essential worker. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it's basically um, the kids and I every day and our, our families. Um, so my husband's dad and stepmom are here. So we see them social distance and then um, the rest of our families on the East coast. So we can't, we couldn't see them this year. I'm mm-hmm. so hoping, um, you know, in 2021. And so, yeah, it's kind of how it <laughs> Changed overnight. (laughs) (laughs) What was the greatest challenge for you as a mother during the quarantine? Um, I'd say becoming um, a teacher. And, Mm -hmm. well, it was like a a kindergarten teacher who had to teach a daughter how to read and then a preschool teacher um, for my three-year-old. And then, I mean, I know a million other moms are going through this because we're also the housekeepers and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. working. Um, So I think just finding a way to do all that and still remain positive and, you know, keeping it going every day, I think is probably the most challenging do you have an advice for parents that are in your predicament, so to speak, or in the situation where they have young children and for the first time they have to sort of change or modify their roles a little bit? Yeah, um, I think a lot of it is honestly self-care. Like I think mm-hmm. treating yourself to like, meditation or yoga or reading a book or taking a walk. Like I think those, like I I try to take a walk every day from 6am to 7am. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that changed a lot for me just to have that hour (laughs) to myself. I listen to like an inspiring podcast or something. And I think just to have that hour. Um, But yeah, I'd say fitting in like, something for yourself like at least like once a day is super important mm-hmm. so that me time is far more prevalent now per se as compared to when everything was fine um maybe i mean i think for me in the beginning i couldn't find the me time and mm-hmm. then like a month in i'm like okay i need to like actually strategize because <laughs> when i wasn't you know doing yeah. mom duties. I was either working or cleaning the house. 
Right. So I couldn't figure it out. But then I was like, okay, this time is at a time for this. This time is for this. So, yeah, I feel like there's definitely you have to have like a strategy. And I would say like do your best to stick to it because I know it's so easy to be like, ah, just not today. I'll do that, you know, but sticking <laughs> to it's so important. So, yeah. In this short period of time that you're home and the immediate thing that came up obviously was the challenges. Right. And then yeah. you look at it in terms of areas of opportunity, the me time and so forth. Obviously, something that came up was self-organization and so forth. What other mm-hmm. positive things that came out for you personally as a mother that otherwise would not have happened without the pandemic? Um, that's a great question. I think um I mean, the relationship I have with my kids right now is mm-hmm. amazing. And it's one that is it's so unique because even our mornings, like most parents know, like mornings are, are always like such a rush normally because you're trying to right, get to right. school, you have to get everyone dressed, and, you know. So <laughs> I think, you know, we all sit down, we all have breakfast together, we all like chat about our days and we do our workouts together and then, you know, move to our different things throughout the day. And, and I think that we just have like this like friendship and like love and respect that's very unique um, because we are together all day long. And they know that, you know, when I have to work, they they mm-hmm. play with each other. Like we have like a nice, I mean, we have our moments, of course, but overall, it's a very unique um, relationship for sure. So. Mm-hmm. You can always change it around to whereby instead of y'all standing at the corner for five minutes, mom is going to go into that room for 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Switch it the other way around. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. When you look at the scenarios right now, and obviously you've learned so much and got a lot out of it. So what recommendations do you have for someone who? who's still in the midst of that process of like, oh my gosh, I mean, I'm feeling overwhelmed tremendously. What would you advice be for moms that are in that position to sort of, for lack of a better term, to declutter their daily schedule? Um, I mean, I think I would, it's so hard. And now that school's starting up again, I know Mm -hmm. anxiety is flying around um, everywhere. Um, so it's hard because I'm feeling it too, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think developing a like a, as, as much as it possible, I know everyone's jobs are so different, so it's hard to say, but mm-hmm. I think just, um, reading something positive, I think right now is super important, mm-hmm. especially because we're all inundated with news and, and it is important, of course, to follow the news right now. But I think also setting aside, even if it's just 15 minutes of like pleasure reading, mm-hmm. um, just something for you to keep your mind like on something that you love and attach it to something that you love. And that's why like I highly recommend like going on a walk in the morning, just like being in nature, getting fresh air, listening to something inspiring just to start your day like that, because it is really overwhelming. Um, But I do think it's a little easier to like start the day in such like a positive way. And I think being outside with nature, if it is possible for you is so great to just have fresh air. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. And then just, uh, yeah, I'd say those are just what kind of what would keep me going every day. Wonderful. 
You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Teachers Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchasers, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. My guest is Mel Caspian Bloom. Mel's Once Upon a Bloom is a one-person branding and copywriting agency specializing in the art of storytelling. Before starting her own company, Mel was the former head of copy at Disney Consumer Products. She created an in-depth storytelling copy for products from Disney, Pixar, Lucasfilm, and Marvel. She has also written for a range of companies, including Forbes and Codiness. We are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and her latest children's book, Screen, Beans, and Quarantine. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Mel, how are you preparing your kids for the upcoming school year? Well, they now know that it's only online learning, so that mm-hmm. was a big conversation. Um, and then preparing for school, I am, I mean, I feel like I've just been buying a lot of, like, art supplies mm-hmm. and um, science kits. Like, so we have a – I don't know how this year is going to look. We haven't gotten our schedule yet, but I just tried to have, like, some, I just ha- like to have activities lined up, you know, so we have like an activity closet filled with puzzles and games and, and cool science kits and um, a ton of different art projects and paints and stuff like that. Um, and then I have some ideas, like I go to different um, teacher websites and preschool websites for ideas on how to um, do certain learning projects. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how I, like, gear up, and that's kind of how I would do, like, Sundays when we had school um, last semester, um, just to get some ideas. So then during the week when I have to just, like, think of something, there's, you know, something to look at. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess we're just waiting for the schedules to come out. Do you have any recommendations for parents, on the other hand, that really in situations where they're in limbo in terms of the essential things that they need to have their kids ready to go to school when they have to go to school rather than staying at home? I don't um, because both my kids have been home. We didn't, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, we haven't even had like a nanny. Um, So I I don't know, but I would say um, with masks, if if you can find like a fun mask for the kids, I know mm-hmm. Etsy has really adorable ones. Um, mm-hmm. My kids were kind of they were okay with masks anyway, but once I got like a Spider Man and a unicorn mask, mm-hmm. I feel like they just got so much more. Like they're totally fine with it. It's they're like one with the mask. So I'd say that that would be huge to just find one that they're like super comfortable and happy to wear. So you know that they're protected all day. Very, very interesting. So those are the things that it's wonderfully put because it is about the kids. And if you get them into something that they like, they embrace the whole process much easier, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wonderful. Has the new normal settled in for your family? Um, I think I want to say yes. Like, I, we definitely have a routine, and, mm-hmm. you know, the kids are still smiling, and I think we we definitely have a routine and a flow. Um, however, with school starting up, I know it's about to change, <laughs> so <laughs> I know there's just going to be a massive energy shift 
coming, um, and I know it'll it'll settle in a few weeks um, after it starts. But I do know it's this is so unique for the kids. I mean, they're going to be meeting their teacher for the first time over Zoom, meeting their class. Um, and now I, I'm not quite sure how the schedule is, but I think it's kind of like an eight to two, like online school, as opposed to mm-hmm. how they did it last semester, which was more like projects. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just going to be really interesting. And, um, I mean, the great thing is that kids are, are so much more open to change than adults are. So I'm I'm excited to see how how my daughter is with it, um, and yeah, we'll just we'll just see how it goes from there. <laughs> <laughs> Has your daughter been connecting with her friends in some ways? Yeah, so um, I'd say not as much over the summer, but um, mm-hmm. definitely when the school year was happening, we would have weekly lunch zooms with her friends so she'd mm-hmm. get to you know see everyone and just chat without like a formal teacher setting and right. then I mean we, we've had many social distance play dates where you know we'll stay on a blanket friends will stay on a blanket you know and do that so yeah we we do that um but we haven't done a lot of like zooms now that she's not in school, but I'm sure it'll pick up again. Um, and then we do Sunday night family zooms with our family on the East coast. And we do Saturday mm-hmm. morning zooms, with my husband's family on the East coast. So we're definitely do- trying our best to stay connected without, you know, seeing everybody. What's interesting is obviously the children have met their grandparents, I presume, right. In person prior yeah. to all this. Okay. I had a friend of mine that said that I guess my little grandson is thinking that grandma is that six by nine (laughs) piece of uh, equipment. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, of course, I mean, this little baby doesn't know anything. I know. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Yeah. Hearing those stories, we, we, we know a lot of them. It is, it is pretty crazy the time we're in. Yeah. (laughs) That's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How has writing screen beans and quarantines impacted you personally? Um, it definitely encouraged me to continue down this route. Um, mm-hmm. When I left Disney, it was actually um, to start writing children's books. I mean, I knew I was going to be, I, I left to have my own com- copywriting company, mm-hmm. but in my head, mm-hmm. I was like, this is my opportunity to write children's books. And I think a lot of it started through the storytelling that I did at Disney because I wrote every day to these kids, you know, different mm-hmm. stories, um, you know, the best stories in the world, um, actually, because they're all like Disney, Pixar, Lucas, you know, Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that really inspired me back then. And then when I left to start Once Upon a Bloom, it was there was so much going on with, you know, prospecting and then taking on clients and figuring out the business side. And then, so that that took a long time. Um, to figure out that I didn't really have the spirit to go off and write um, a story. Like I just didn't, it was, I was just very burnt out um, definitely that first year. Um, So I think when I wrote this story, it gave me kind of like the courage to continue down this route. And Mm -hmm. as of now, I wrote three other stories during quarantine and 
they're all kind of getting into a good place right now. Like one is about to be illustrated. I think I found an, another illustrator for a different story. Um, and then I still have one that is ready to be pitched. So I think um, it really just, I, I found something where I'm like, okay, if I can help kids and parents, maybe I can do it in this realm or in this realm. Mm-hmm. So they're all like different topics that um, became kind of, um, I don't want to call it like a red flag, but and even a mm-hmm. road bump. But like with my daughter, like I see things that affect her. So I'm always mm-hmm. like, okay, how can we tell this through a story? So anyway, right. I use that as inspiration too. And so right now I have like four stories. Um, so I think that was largely um, attributed to screens, beans, and quarantines. Very, very interesting. Where can someone go to download your free book, get more information about you, and keep up with your latest happenings? Yeah, um, onceuponabloom.com, and the bloom is B-L-U-M-E. And that's my website. You can download the book, yeah. Can you repeat that, please? Sure, it's onceuponabloom, B-L-U-M-E.com. Wonderful. Going back when you were growing up, how were you connecting with your parents? Were they into storytelling in some ways? Um, like, <laughs> not really. <laughs> um, no, I was kind of like, no. <laughs> were, I mean, they were like supportive. Um, like mm-hmm. I did have the opportunity to go to a playwright school and Mm -hmm. like learn about that which I was very very interested like they were very supportive but Mm -hmm. no not I was definitely like the the creative like out there one (laughs) yeah (laughs) looking back in the various places that you've worked what was the most exciting experience memory that you have working with Disney um, I think, I, well, the people in general were, I mean, mm-hmm. the most creative, amazing humans. I, I am still in touch with most of them. Um, and I'd say, I think some of my favorite parts were um, when I wrote scripts for different, um, we had different videos that were made for uh, different seasons. So we've mm-hmm. had like mm-hmm. holiday videos and Halloween videos and um, throughout the year. And so developing a script and then um, there were times where I got to direct them and it was mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> like it mm-hmm. was just amazing to know that like something in your head that you got down on paper is like being brought to life by people. So I mm-hmm. think that was a very, very cool experience. Yeah. Very, very interesting. How about going back to New York? What was the greatest experience in terms of being around a bunch of fashionistas? That was awesome. I mean, it was really fun. <laughs> and I, I, I do love fashion. Um, but mm-hmm. I think that I, I realized I wasn't like, I was so uncomfortable every day going to work. Like it didn't mm. feel natural at all. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think, and like everyone was so cool. Like we were all friends and, you know, we'd Mm -hmm. go out after Mm -hmm. work and have fun. But I think in the office setting, I was Mm -hmm. just so uncomfortable. (laughs) So (laughs) I, yeah, I just, that just, you know, when you know something isn't for you, I think, I think that was it. And I've worked in office settings since then and have never felt that 
So, yeah, I think that was just a lot. Interesting. How about writing for Codiness? I mean, you travel, right? So where's the sort of like the best place, wonderful memory that you have? um, I think the... Actually, uh, the first time I ever went to Europe, my husband and mm-hmm. I went together at 23, and mm-hmm. we went on a on a tour with a bunch of people our age. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we went to nine countries, and it was amazing because there were people from all over the world. Um, mm-hmm. There were people from Australia, New Zealand, the U.S., all over Europe. South America, um, and everyone kind of came together for this trip, um, and it was amazing. We did all nine countries by bus, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time I'd ever, you know, been out of the U.S., so it was so huge just to see everything <laughs> and be with everyone, and nine countries, like, it was the most amazing experience. Um, and we found just like a, a budget friendly tour that was yeah. incredible. And we stayed at the most random places, including <laughs> like a, a, an old woman's jail in Switzerland mm-hmm. and all of these, um, you know, cool, um, I forget what they're called, but um, they're like everyone like shares spaces. It's just it was such a unique and amazing experience and just um, pulled together with all these people from all different backgrounds Mm -hmm. and be with them like 24 seven. I think was it was an incredible experience. (laughs) Yeah. Very, very interesting. What is next for you? Um, I actually have a contract um, that's starting with Microsoft next week, so I'm really excited about that. Fantastic. I, thank you. And um, I have a book that I'm working on right now that I'm hoping mm-hmm. will come out this year. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, I'm pitching two others. So I'm just crossing my fingers and uh, hope something comes out of them. Wonderful, wonderful. Are you able to still do a lot of work at home? I mean, has the dynamics changed in a way? Because my understanding is you are working from home, regardless of the pandemic, so to speak, correct? Yes, yes, I am. Um, and now, I mean, it's it's just kind of shifted. Like, if my husband gets home at, like, 5.30, like, mm-hmm. I'll just work from, like, 6.30 to midnight or, <laughs> you know, there were many 2 a.m. days. Yeah. It just depends on, you know, what what's going on at that time. I understand. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? Yeah, I would say um, my my recipe for a healthy lifestyle, one I work on mm-hmm. every day because um, okay. it's, it's easy to let it slip. But um, I think just like meditation, exercise, and, and just reading something that you want to read, whether it's for 15 minutes or an hour, just to give yourself, make space for yourself every day to just remember that you're important and that you matter. That's wonderful. Do you have any last words for spring beans and quarantine? Um, I I just hope that it helps uh, parents who are looking for a resource um, and kids who want like maybe an uplifting perspective. So yeah. Fantastic! That's wonderful. Please give us the website again. 
Sure. It's once upon a bloom, B-L-U-M-E dot com. Wonderful. Well, Mel, thank you for the great recipe for living about finding your me space during the busy day of our lives. That's the most important thing. And for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, August 14th. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release for this summer, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Listen to Your Dreams, 101 Tales of Inner Guidance, Divine Intervention, and Miraculous Insights. So be ready for some life-changing dreams and premonitions, including stories about high-impact dreams during the COVID-19 shutdown. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. Mel, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and thank you so much for your generosity in giving the book away for free. Have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye.